We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Three. Is Curtis crazy for trading Justin Herbert in Superflex? We're talking all that and more on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We are two of the owners here at Rotoviz. As always, Curtis has been wheeling and dealing in dynasty startups. How you doing, Curtis? I'm doing great, man. Like you said, uh, uh, the the phones have been ringing, the emails have been pinging, and the push notifications will not stop. I've definitely been active across the dynasty portfolio the last couple of weeks. And I do have a startup in progress and actually just got put on the clock in one of those. Uh, that is not what we're talking about as the subject matter for today. But if there's some bonus time at the end, maybe you can help me make a pick in the third round here. Nice, nice. All right. Well, I did say at the end of the episode last week, there was a player that I wanted us to transition to this episode. That player might get pushed to Friday. We're, we're going to play it by ear, but we do have a stat attack that we need to get to. So why don't you just lay that on us right now? All right. Let me find the right window. Okay. Oh, all right. I got, I got ahead of myself, I guess. No, you're fine, man. All right. Fine. Good, good. Today's FFPC stat attack is on one Mr. Justin Herbert, as Dave teased at the top of the show. I traded it away Justin Herbert in a Superflex Dynasty League. And uh, we're going to have to work through whether or not I have seller's remorse on this because when you just look at what he did in 2021, I, I mean, it, it would be hard to find a stat that's not impressive. He ranked fifth amongst all QBs with 5,075 air yards thrown, fourth with 2,628 air yards completed. Uh, he averaged 25.5 PPR per game. He had the second most passing attempts, the second most passing completions, the second most passing yards, the third most passing touchdowns, and the uh, second most expected fantasy points per game at the quarterback position. Uh, that is a very impressive stat attack, and it is a reminder to check out the Rotoviz Triflex Dynasty Leagues that are now open on myffpc.com. Startup drafts are open now. Hop in the lobby. We've got $77 leagues. And $250 leagues open right now. You can play traditional dynasty where you're setting a lineup. You can also play dynasty best ball. 
Uh, so pick out whatever works better for you. And uh, yeah, we'll open up higher price points as some of these early season leagues fill, but uh, be sure to check that out. So Dave, I wrote this up in long form because as Sean and Blair and I were kind of talking about how do we, how do we really provide actionable, meaningful dynasty insights to, you know, to the subscribers uh, in 2022, how should we differentiate? And, you know, we've done a great job as we talked a little bit about yesterday in reformatting our, our dynasty rankings. Um, I, I think your new way of imagining how we would present that has been great. So uh, for those of you listening that maybe haven't checked it out, go over to rotaviz.com, click on our rankings tab, check out the dynasty rankings. You now see uh, the individual rankers. You see tiers. Uh, if you click on the tiers tab uh, by position, you can see you know, quarterback in a column, running back in a column, wide receiver, tight end columns across the top, but then uh, listed by tier. So you would see which players would maybe be equivalent uh, cross-positional trade candidates. That is the way that we're uh, approaching our rankings. And there's also a value chart uh, that is posted there. Tier one equals about this many dynasty rookie picks, et cetera, on down the line. So Dave has done a great job of kind of re-engineering that. I think one of the best things that that I bring to the table is just being able to share, you know, kind of my process across, you know, my different leagues. I'm playing 16 dynasty leagues right now. That number will surely grow because I will definitely do one more Rotoviz Triflex dynasty startup this year. So at least 17 leagues. I've got over a decade of playing experience, uh, cabinet full of dynasty trophies. And I, uh, but I've also made lots of mistakes as I've uh, accrued that experience and I've learned from some of the best, including some of my peers here at Rotoviz, uh, legends like Ryan McDowell, uh, Rich Rebar and others who have lots of experience as well talking to them over the course of the years. And so, you know, I think it's just fun to share what's going on in my own leagues. And so, you know, if I'm making trades, what are those trades? Why was I thinking that we should make those trades? And whether or not you would make the same one uh, with a different roster, you can certainly learn from the process uh, and the, the way of thinking. And then, you know, apply some of that rationale to the teams that you're managing. So, I unleashed a new series, Dave, called Dynasty Trade Diary. Nice. And the, well, the first entry in my diary, my public diary, bearing my dynasty soul, was titled, I Traded Justin Herbert and Rebuilt a Roster. Uh, so, you know, just, just that first statement, you know, if I was writing a novel, it would be one of those paragraphs that's just one sentence. And mm-hmm. then you leave some white space and let it sink in. Traded Justin Herbert in a Superflex Dynasty uh, squad, you know, top top half of the first round type investment. Many rankers have them as the number two or number three asset overall in this type of dynasty. So, you know, why would I trade him? Well, let's review some of the uh, particulars about this situation. So this league, it's a super flex tight end premium league. Uh, it's Scott Barrett's charity invitational league. It's a couple years old. Uh, we start 10 players. Uh, you have to start a quarterback two receivers, two running backs, one tight end. There's a super flex, a three flex. And this is easily my worst squad in the whole, whole portfolio. I, you know, I did something a little different, really went heavy on the, the quarterback investments early in this draft and also had some bad injury luck. You know, I invested a high pick back in 2020 in Michael Thomas, Will Fuller hadn't been really available uh, didn't really have a viable running back to. So, you know, a situation where I was deep at quarterback, 
should have been deep at wide receiver, uh, but things just didn't bounce the right way. And so I've missed the playoffs in each of the first few years. And I'm, I'm used to like being a title contender from year one and just never not being in the title contention in the leagues that I play in. So this one has really been stuck in my craw a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so I said, you know, as, as I was looking at 2022, this is the squad I'm going to turn my attention to first. So this trade actually occurred back on January 31st. And I'm thinking, you know, notable assets on this team, Kyler Murray and Justin Herbert, DeAndre Swift, Debo Samuel, DJ Moore, Michael Thomas, Pat Fryermuth. And I got, you know, all of my 2022 rookie picks, but not actually my picks. I have mm-hmm. picks in each round, but they're not mine because I've made prior trades. So I'm in the 110 and the 212. So I don't have any elite rookie assets uh, that I'm going to really be adding. And I can add some depth to the squad, but certainly not going to get it to the level of, you know, being in the title hunt. Um, even if Michael Thomas comes back healthy, it's just not going to be enough. I got to add a little bit of pop. So I started shopping Kyler Murray and Justin Herbert just to see what type of interest I could get. And here is the deal, Dave. We'll break down some of the elements and I'm, I really want to get your thoughts. I sent Justin Herbert, who is our composite road of his quarterback five. Yep. Uh, that's your rank, my rank, Sean's rank combined. Also sent away AJ Dillon, who is rid of his RB31 and the 2022-304. I received Jalen Hurts, who is rid of his QB9. Jalen Waddle, who is rid of his wide receiver 10. Rookie 111 and rookie 207. So, you know, Dylan's a flex level, you know, asset in a format like this where you're starting 10. Uh, but I bring in Hurts, upgrade from Dylan to Waddle. Um, and then add a first and a second. So now I've got two firsts and two seconds in this league. In my opinion, and this is in the diary, you can you know read in long form if you want to. It's on the front page of the site. Not really giving much up. If uh, as long as Hertz holds on to the job from a week to week fantasy scoring perspective, I mean Hertz paced right there with Herbert uh, last season. And Hertz actually left a couple games early. Now you could argue that you shouldn't exclude that from the sample because of the type of player he is. He might leave games early every year. Uh, but I mean, e- even if you leave it all in there, you know, you average a point and a half less per game basically than Herbert. It's, it's not, it's not material. And then, you know, Waddle, huge upgrade over Dylan. And then again, the rookie one and the rookie two. So before I get a little bit further into this, what do you think of, of, about this? I mean, there, it, I think the the big thing is the risk element, relative safety of Herbert to Hertz, and then I guess depending on what you think about Waddle, that's really probably what breaks it down. Yeah, well, I have always been a big Waddle fan. After what we saw last year, I'm extremely excited. So I think that getting him um, in this deal is a huge win for you. I think that the picks, the way that went. That is perfectly fine. I think that uh, I like everything about this trade, especially when I consider the fact that Hertz was the quarterback that you were able to use uh, or uh, that, that you're able to get by using Herbert. Now, I think where this trade could get you would be on a longer time horizon, right? Like I think a lot of people, and it might be fair, would be expecting Herbert to be an elite level quarterback option for longer than Hertz. <clears throat> which I think is fine. But I think if you're looking to kind of rebuild a roster in the current time, I think that this is the type of trade that makes perfect sense. So I think for your objective and what you were trying to do here, this was really executed nicely. 
Well, yeah, I, I appreciate that. I know it's coming from a fellow Jalen Hurts fan as well. You <laughs> mentioned you're a fan of, of Waddle. So perhaps I'm just, you know, uh, pandering to an audience that I know would be supportive. Um, right. But, you know, I, part of the part of my thoughts here in the article, you know, Herbert's earlier NFL draft capital, you know, combined with his, you know, hot start to his career, you know, that's what's driven him to the early first round. But when you when you think about Jalen Hurts, you know, and, and Philly made a blockbuster trade earlier this week with with New Orleans. They're still going to have two first round picks. Yep. So they no longer have three first round picks. But everybody is projecting at least one receiver to Philly in this year's draft. And it's probably going to be with one of those two first round picks. So when you think about Hurts and, you know, how effective he was from a fantasy perspective in 2021, and then you think, okay, they're going to add another solid profile rookie, high profile rookie to the soup with Devonte Smith, his situation is getting better. Yep. You know, the, the rushing attack, uh, you know, he led all quarterbacks in rushing last uh, season and rushing touchdowns. That's, that's that nice floor, but the passing ceiling really should open up if, you know, if he has better weapons to throw to and, you know, another, you know, he's got a full season under his belt as a starter the game's going to start to slow down a little bit. Hopefully he can, you know, clean up, you know, some of the, uh, you know, the, the misfirings from an accuracy perspective as yeah. well. Uh, but, you know, you would expect him to continue to improve. And if Hurst improves to the level where the team comes out and says, you know, he's our long term, you know, they make the playoffs or something, or they, they make some sort of comment that they're not drafting a quarterback in 2023. At that point, Hurts is going to be viewed you know, within a whisker of, of Herbert's startup value, probably he's going to be a first round pick at that point. If, if we didn't think Philly wouldn't be moving on from him, that's the only thing that's holding him down in that third and fourth round of startups has nothing to do with his fantasy production. If you're just looking at the fantasy production, you'd prefer Hertz to Dak Prescott right now. You'd prefer Hertz to Russell Wilson right now. It's the lack of confidence that he will be the long. So I think you nailed, I mean, you nailed the, the risk piece of this deal. And that's why the other owners, you know, other managers certainly would have been willing to to do this from their perspective. They're trading away that risk. They're selling Herbert, uh, or they're acquiring Herbert in their perspective, maybe for you know four quarters on the dollar, right? And you know, parcel, parceling that out a little bit. But when I look at this post trade now, you know, I've stacked Jalen Hurts with Kyler Murray. It's an ultimate Konami code quarterback backfield there, and then you know my wide receivers all of a sudden are Debo Samuel, Jalen Waddle, DJ Moore, Michael Thomas. I've potentially four top 12 wide receivers this season. And then I have two rookie first, two rookie seconds. So it gives me a lot of flexibility to trade up and down the board in the rookie draft. I could go up and, you know, package some of those picks, go up to the 101, 102, get a Brees Hall, um, get a, get a Malik Willis as a hedge on Hertz, or I could stay put and, you know, add four top 24, you know, assets to the squad. So, but you know, whatever I do at this point, I've given myself more outs. And the the reason that I haven't made the playoffs is this team ended up very top heavy and things didn't roll correctly. And so I've given myself more outs while still having some elite assets. And so, uh, in terms of valuing this trade, I used our, our value conversion chart from our dynasty rankings page. And I've got this graded out as sending away three firsts, one second and two thirds and receiving four firsts and two seconds. So from a package perspective, with the way that we're valuing players at rid of is right now, I objectively won this on a value perspective. 
Definitely. Now, let's pause there, though, for a second and remind people that when you are making a trade, it is possible, though, that you do need to consider the context of your team and not just the value of the picks that you're getting. Now, obviously, if you're getting something super slanted one way, you know, where you're you're getting in a lot more value, that's important. But I just wanted to mention that in case you have any thoughts on that, Curtis, where maybe, or I just kind of want you to speak to this about how often you find yourself in a situation where maybe you could make a deal where the picks that you're getting are better than the picks that you're sending away or like there's more value, but it's not necessarily going to set your team up for more success. Do you think that that's a situation that frequently happens or is that rare? Well, you know, typically I want to be on the other, you know, I want to be on the other side of deals like this. I would like to have the most valuable asset in any deal coming back my way. Yep. I think what changes this for me, what changes this deal really for me is the fact that I view Hertz as a, a less risky investment than, you know, maybe many others do. Right. Um, and, and actually there seems to be alignment from you Sean and yep. myself on that. And so it's not even just my own. Yep. And that's, that's the value of, you know, our, our rankings is, you know, we have three high volume dynasty players, uh, you know, that have had a lot of career success doing this. I can cross check my assumptions, you know, with yours and Sean's, um, you know, just by looking right there on the site. And if I was, you know, if it, if it looked like I was irrationally high on the guy, you know, that's probably one of those things where I'm phoning a friend. What do you guys think about this? Right. Am I crazy? You know, before I pull the trigger on this thing, but you know, uh, you know, typically you would want to, you would want to collect the most valuable asset in any deal that you're making. But if I was assigning value to all of the pieces in this deal, because we actually had seven assets in the deal, four players and three picks. I think that I got the second most valuable third most valuable and fourth most valuable pieces. Cause you know, Herbert's number one, yeah. but you got Hertz Waddle and the rookie one eleven all grading out as more valuable than AJ Dillon. Right. So, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. There were enough pieces that to me, you know, that turned the tide. Yep. Um, but if this was a simpler deal, like I don't think, I don't know. I don't know if I do this deal, if it's just, Jalen Hurts in the 111 for Herbert. I don't think it's enough that I could pull the trigger. So it's just, right. you know, really the size of what I was getting back, I think, that that made it doable. And I think the, the thing, too, is the way that it allows you to work within your roster, right? Because you've made a significant upgrade at one of your flex positions with what I would say is a significantly lesser step back at your quarterback position. So if you're kind of taking your roster and the construction of it into account, I think it makes a lot of sense from that perspective. Oh yeah, sure. Even if like, let's say 2021 production holds and Herbert still outperforms, you know, hurts by, you know, let's even, let's even just, you know, round it to two points a game. Yeah. Um, I mean, Waddle, I would definitely take Waddle to outscore Dylan by more than two points per game. And it'd probably be more like five points per game or, or even more. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're, you're dead on there. And then, you know, now it's this, this draft in this league is going to be really fun. You know, having the, the 110, 111, getting my, my pick of two, two, uh, two tier two players from our Rotoviz fantasy football rookie draft guide, uh, in that range, you know, I could, I could be Desmond Ritter. It could be Chris Olave, you know, it could be a lot of stuff, you know, we'll just have to see how this, <laughs> you know, have to see how this, this, uh, this draft goes. 
But I think packaging those two first there, you know, could even maybe get me into the top three where I'm talking about or top four, maybe even where I'm talking about Brees Hall, Traylon Burks, you know, or Malik Willis. You know, that would be really exciting to add, you know, player of that caliber. But uh, this team may be best served if I, you know, maybe hedge in the rookie draft just by taking more players this year. For sure. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, and that drop means it's time to check in on our underdog fantasy team, Rotoviz and Friends Best Ball Draft. Dave, I want to take a quick look at your squad. Actually, it looks like through uh, eight rounds here. And you've got a lot of balance going. I like this team has a little bit of swag. Uh, <laughs> you have some values in there. I love what Underdog's done with the Joe Burrow uh, player pick. They've got him in a Super Bowl suit, you know, the shark skin suit. Fantastic. And a little Prada glasses. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's awesome. So, I mean, just looking at this roster, I'm already jealous. Uh, you've got Joe Burrow at quarterback. You went with Najee, you know, one of our personal favorites from 2021 and a nice value pick there of Devin Singletary almost a round and a half below ADP. Really love that pick there. Thank you. Um, you've also got Deontay Johnson, Chris Godwin, Hunter Renfro and Robert Woods at wide receiver. We'll have to talk about Robert Woods in Tennessee. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We, we did a little, we did a little bit, I think last week, right after he had signed. But I think we need to nail in where we really think he's going to land now. And then Mark Andrews, man, I, I just love, I really like the balance of your squad. I'll be interested to see how you fill out the depths of the running back position. You kind of have a hero RB setup here, which is very on brand. Um, if you're listening and you want to try one of these drafts, go to underdogfantasy.com or download the underdog fantasy app from your app store on your device. Just use promo code Rotoviz and they're going to give you a hundred percent deposit match up to the first $100. So you put in a hundred bucks, underdog gives you a hundred bucks and you've got 200 bucks in your account. That's the math on that. And you can play plenty of uh, any other contests. We love to talk best ball because it's what we do best at Rotoviz. but there are other contests you can enter too. not just limited to football. Uh, you can even do some interesting prop betting on specific player stat lines and individual games. So make sure to check it out at underdogfantasy.com and Dave and I will give an update on our squads again next week. So I think that we do have enough time uh, to kind of transition us off of that topic over to a specific player. 
And that player is Marquise Brown. You ended up oh, with baby. him higher than Sean and I did by a significant margin. Um, as things are constituted now, this is one of the larger discrepancies that we have among wide receivers that people um I will say would be interested in having on their team. And obviously I think Brown is a player that falls very much into that grouping. So this, this is not to say that, uh, you know, Sean and I are, are down on Brown perhaps compared to the industry, but just that you've always been a fan of Brown and that's still holding. Do you care to share any of the reasons that you're still pretty high on Brown? Um, perhaps enough to be, you know, above the consensus of the site here. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, there, there, there's a couple reasons to get into here. So, uh, you know, we've got a, a player with a, a former first round, you know, draft pick who has shown marked improvement each season from a fantasy production standpoint. Uh, I was wide receiver 46 as a rookie, wide receiver 36 as a NFL sophomore, and wide receiver 21 uh, in 2021. And that was a season in which, you know, he obviously did not have Lamar Jackson for a nice portion of the season um, before we get into the game splits with, you know, with and without Jackson last season, just to bring people back around to where Marquise Brown finished the season. You know, I, I think people are going to forget because, you know, he finished pretty cold uh, on that streak with, with Tyler Huntley, but man, through week nine, he was on fire I mean, absolute fire. And it, and it carried and shows up in the year end. Uh, tallies here. He was ninth wide receiver nine in targets, wide receiver 12 in receptions, wide receiver eight in air yards, wide receiver 12 in expected points per game. I think these are all numbers that would surprise people mm. thinking back on Hollywood Browns 2021. He was wide receiver six with a 27% team target market share. Now the Ravens don't throw as much as other teams, but the share describes intent. And, you know, he, you know, it was it was he and Mark Andrews, man. That was it. It was a concentration of targets. This was a Kansas City style passing attack in terms of who they're directing the ball to. That was their Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. They just passed the ball a hundred plus times fewer. So I think that context is important. Now, some of the reasons to to you know before I talk about the other reasons I'm high on him, maybe some of the reasons that people have some reservations are, uh, you know, the return of J.K. Dobbins. You know, perhaps the team will be more effective in the, the rushing attack and, and not pass as, as much kind of recommitting to that strength. That's been such a staple in Baltimore for all of these years. Um, and then also you could have uh, the ascension of Rashad Bateman in a second year, um, you know, who is a player that you know, we were all pretty high on, had a nice rookie profile prospect profile coming into the league last season. And so those are both, I think reasonable arguments to make against Marquise Brown, you know, repeating this performance in 2022. But I also think you can go the other direction and say Marquise Brown's 2021 could have been a heck of a lot better than it even was. So the game splits app really highlights this for us. Uh, he played 12 games with Lamar Jackson last season. So we had three quarters of, of the games that he played. You know, Brown played 16 of 17 games last year. In the 12 games with Lamar Jackson, average 16.4 PPR, uh, average six receptions a game, uh, scored a touchdown every other game, 9.25 targets per game, 72 receiving yards per game. I mean, you're talking about a 102 reception season with eight touchdowns and over 1,200 receiving yards. Where we fell off the wagon a little bit is in those non 
Lamar Jackson games. That's where Mark Andrews really made his hay. Mark Andrews without Lamar Jackson last year was insane. It was like 20 plus PPR uh, per game, you know, really just, you know, focal point is not strong enough. I mean, he was, <laughs> was the offense. He was the offense. He really was the offense. Uh, stands Lamar Jackson. Uh, Brown in those four games, unfortunately, was not able to get on the same page. Actually was targeted at a higher rate, an, an extra target per game, just collecting 36 receiving yards per game, only five and a half receptions, scored zero touchdowns in those four games. Obviously, that's going to you know really dilute things. An average, you know, less than 10 PPR in those games. And so you just wonder, you know, if he had had Jackson for the entire season, how we would be discussing Brown now, because four more games at the level that he was producing, he would have bumped up even in 16, a 16 game sample instead of 17, he would have been bumping 300 PPR. If he had just carried his averages in those four games with Lamar, we're talking about a much different situation. You're also, you're all of a sudden wondering, can Marquise Brown be the next Antonio Brown? <laughs> um, and like, seriously, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's a bloodline situation. Um, and, you know, he's the apple of Lamar Jackson's eye. They're on the same page. And so it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting situation. Uh, I, I'm definitely not off of him, um, but I understand why others, you know, might be. I think it really probably mostly comes down to whether or not you think he's more talented than Rashad Bateman. And if you, you think the answer to that is no, you should be lower than consensus and, and stay away from him. If you think that the answer is either, uh, probably no or yes, then I, Brown should really be a target for you. So I don't want to delve too much um, into, you know, some of the, the other counter arguments that we can make, but I will say there are a couple of things that uh, I will say when I look at Brown, I think that in addition to the points that you made, uh, which it's a really compelling case, I also want to mention that last year um, his fantasy points over X, expectation per game ranked 182 around wide receivers. And a lot of that is because of what happened when Lamar was out. So I think that's something that you could really point to that should rebound because he does not seem like the type of guy that's going to be inefficient. And when you look at the, the work level that he does have a, a whopper of 13 among wide receivers last year, eighth in air yards. And that's even including those games without Lamar. There are items there to like, um, I still have some guys like Keenan Allen and Mike Evans ahead of Brown, mm -hmm. um, which explains why I am not quite as, you know, high. And that, that gets at some of the Delta. And there's a couple of other players in there as well. I think that some people could kind of push back on me there and say, well, you know, if you're looking for the youth, really, you're at the point on some of these guys that you have ahead of him where things should kind of shift in the favor of Brown. Yeah. And, you know, a, a couple other just quick, Quick hitters there. I mean, I I have, I guess to to maybe paint in where I've got Brown. Um, you know, I've you still have guys like Traylon Burks and some of these young players ahead of him. By the yeah, way, yeah, I, I do. Yeah, I've I've got the very tippy top of this class. It and the good performing rookies from last year ahead of him. So I've got Garrett Wilson and Traylon Burks and Drake London ahead of him. I've got Elijah Moore ahead of him. You know, some of the Devontae Smith ahead of him. And I, you know, the reasons for that are. You know, um, I, I think it's going to be easier for them to accrue some value. You know, the dynasty equation isn't just what are you doing for me? It's what will you do for me down the road? And how will other, you know, how will other managers value this player? And what can I convert 
you know, this, this player into Marquise Brown, age 25. He will be an unrestricted free agent uh, in 2023. So I think, you know, you have to keep that in mind as well. Uh, it could be a, a team change. Will, will a team like the Ravens pay a player like Brown? I don't know. We've never seen them really pay wide receivers in the past. So, I, you know, the, yeah, there's some stuff there. I get it. But, you know, when I, when I think of Brown versus a Deontay Johnson or versus a Terry McLaurin, um, you know, players who are, you know, similar producers, but have big quarterback questions. You know, I think that's, I think he belongs more in that range. And by the way, he's younger than both of those players. I think he belongs more in that range. If we're talking about tiers, then he belongs in a range with Jerry Judy or, you know, a play, an yeah. unproven player. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of the, the range that I've got him in, and the difference really there it's that difference from tier three to tier four, like being willing to pay a little bit more than a first, or you know an early first for a pair a player like Brown versus just you know any random first. Got it. All right. Well, I think that we covered some good ground, uh, especially kind of getting into some of the strategy, and then and then kind of digging into a specific player here. We will be back on. Friday. Look forward to talking with everyone then. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978 615 9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.